Please keep open uh, those verses, so page 1011. And it would, though, be quite easy to miss how huge this Bible passage is. Maybe as you heard it, you just thought, well, it's, it's one more healing, uh, which is obviously, you know, it's nice for the, the guy and his family, but it, it's just one more healing. And then there's a, a miracle, a, a bread miracle. It's kind of, you know, it's impressive, pretty impressive, but the outcome of it is, is well, it's a, it's a picnic, isn't it? Really, when you boil it down, it looks like just a boring picnic in a remote place. And actually, um, the picnic miracle isn't even new. So back in chapter 6, we had an almost identical meal. And at that time, it was bigger as well. It was 5,000 people then, and now it's only 4,000. We might miss how huge this Bible passage is, particularly... If, um, if you read the Bible the way that a lot of people read the Bible, the way that I do a lot of the time, um, what do you do when you get to something that you don't know about? A word, a phrase, a place that you don't know about. Well, most of us, I think, just sort of glaze over, hope it isn't important, and keep reading until we get to something we do know about. So look down at 7 verse 31, our first verse. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, and went through Sidon. And you think, well, maybe, ah, maybe I've heard of those places, but I'm not sure I could find them on a map. Let's, um, let's keep going. Uh, down to the Sea of Galilee. Okay, maybe we know about that. Um, that's where Jesus is from, isn't it? Uh, so he's gone home um, and into the region of Decapolis, right? Don't know where that is. Um, but, but basically, we hope that doesn't matter. But um, these Bibles, these Bibles have maps. So just turn inside front cover of these Bibles, right at the beginning. Um, A friend of mine became a Christian because the Bibles had maps. Uh, He was so bored in the sermon that he started uh, looking at the maps. And it was at that point he realised this is real. This happened in real places. So um, feel free at any point tonight. uh, If you look at the map um, that is sort of at the bottom right-hand corner, like that, the one that says Palestine in the time of Jesus... And if you follow the Mediterranean north up the coast, you find Tyre and then Sidon as the last two places on the map, uh, which is telling us that they are way, way outside of uh, Israel in Jesus' day. Uh, Last week, he went to Tyre and he met a Gentile. Not a surprise. He's in a Gentile area. But now today, he goes from Tyre to Sidon which you'll notice is not going home. That is 20 miles more further north. And then he loops back round towards Galilee, which is the northern of the two lakes you've got on your map. And he goes via the Decapolis, which you might see there in big letters, big region heading out towards Damascus. Um, All of that, and he is still not back into the Jewish area in Jesus' day. So the action in tonight's reading, it is huge because it all takes place in Gentile territory. So come back to our page, page 1010 or 1011. And while we're doing it, could we have up the first uh, slide, which is a quote from last week's passage. Mark chapter 7 and verse 27. Last week, 
a Gentile asked for help from Jesus, and Jesus' first response was, first let the children eat all they want. It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the docks. That's where we were in that verse last week. No bread for the Gentiles. Bread only for God's people. Bread only for God's children. So our, um, our bread miracle tonight is a lot more exciting than just a boring picnic. No bread for Gentiles, Jesus said in verse 27. And then only 17 verses later, when we are still in Gentile territory, we have 4,000 people buried in bread. That's what happens in chapter 8. So much bread. They are full of it. So, you know, I could not eat another mouthful full of bread. And there are heaps of leftover bread, basketfuls, even though they just started off with seven small loaves. And I gave away at the end of last week where we would go tonight. We saw last week that after Jesus says this, the words behind me on the screen now, The Gentile woman, she says yes to Jesus. She accepts that she has no more rights than a dog. And she asks for some crumbs. We said she is just the most incredible example of faith in all of Mark's gospel. And we said the way this works is you come as a dog for the crumbs. And we'll see this week, you stay as a daughter at the feast. It's what we're looking at tonight, how those who arrive as dogs asking for crumbs sit down with Jesus at his feast and are buried in bread. And Mark um, wants us to understand two things tonight. It's that when you come to Jesus as a dog asking for crumbs, you get far, far more than that. You get, now this, that was right, you get first of all, you get the same as the children, and that is in fact to get everything. Uh, The first one of those two will be longer, I think. But let's start there. The same as the children, point one. So here in the the Gentile place, what we're actually doing is repeating everything that Jesus did in the Jewish places or a a kind of representative sample of them. So um, we just had read to us 4,000 people who were fed in a remote place out of only seven loaves and a few fish until they are all satisfied, and then we collect up all the scraps in seven baskets. Okay? Turn back to chapter 6 and have a look at it from around verse 30, where we have 5,000 people fed in a solitary place out of only five loaves and two fish, until they are all satisfied, and we collect up all the scraps in 12 baskets. Two different occasions. Uh, The numbers are different, but the event is the same. It is, isn't it, as if Jesus is giving the Gentiles the same thing he gave his own people. Uh, Or the healing. So look at the um, healing back on our page, page 1011. The healing in verse 33 is told in a lot more detail than we've had in any of the other healings, really, or only one or two of them. But very specific, verse 33, it is away from the crowd, and it involves spitting. When I was seven, I was fascinated at the idea the Bible would talk about spit 
and I looked for all the verses in the Bible, and this was one of them. Um, so it's, it's away from the crowd, it involves spitting, and it involves touching. Then look across the page to 8 verse 22, when we are back in Jewish territory, and here this time is a blind man healed, away from the village, it involves spitting and touching. It's the same. It's as if Jesus is giving the Gentiles the same as he gives his own people. And actually, this um, we picked up and began last week. So last week, um, the woman, she came to see Jesus, and she fell at his feet to beg him to help her daughter. And that is just like chapter 5, verse 22, when her opposite, so uh, a Jewish man called Jairus, who is a synagogue leader, does exactly the same thing, falls at his feet and begs Jesus for help for his daughter. But there's more than we said last week, because um, back in chapter 5, as well as the, um, the young daughter, the 12-year-old girl who is sick, there was also another daughter. Uh, there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, the exact same number of years as the little girl had been alive. And bleeding made you ritually unclean. Uh, which should remind us a bit of chapter 7 uh, and where we've been in the last few weeks. An unclean woman approaches Jesus, uh, ritually unclean, cut off from all the people of God. She approaches Jesus and the bleeding stops and she is free. But that is not enough for Jesus. Jesus brings her right out in front of everybody in the center of the crowd so that he can call her daughter. Uh, chapter 5, verse 34. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. The the 12-year-old little girl is a daughter to Jairus, uh, and she is a daughter to Jesus. This woman is a daughter maybe to no one, unclean and abandoned. And now she is a daughter to Jesus and to God. The unclean become a daughter. Uh, And actually, this has been Jesus' big mission since chapter 3, Verse 35, he came to tell his people that whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. That is what Jesus has been offering. And now Jesus is offering the same to the Gentiles. And I think we need to just work a little bit to to realize just how extraordinary that is. Uh, Jesus in Mark, he is offering us, if you're not from Jewish background here tonight, offering us the same as his children. And the danger is that we might say, oh, I mean, of course, sounds fair, doesn't it? Give everyone the same. And we might miss how extraordinary this is. Uh, The woman last week, she was not like that at all. She didn't say, of course. She understood better than that. She fell at his feet, she begged. And if the way in is to accept it as crumbs, like a dog, then she is willing. And uh, and that is the way in. One single crumb would be more than I deserve. But please, I say yes, please. But on the other side of the way in, I don't know how you've been during the week without uh, me being able to prove this and explain it to you, but the other side of the way in, through the door, and her child is sleeping peacefully on her bed, totally healed, in the same way as Jairus 
synagogue ruler Jairus' daughter totally healed. Or um, 7 verse 35, the, the deaf man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. And there's irony there that the Gentile speaks plainer, hears better than any number of Jesus' own people who have not yet understood him. And then in 8 verse 8, 4,000 people are buried in breads. And the, the speaking thing, the, the irony is huge. Jesus in 736, he does a miracle that allows someone to talk. And then he says, please don't talk. Which is an odd thing to say when you've just made someone capable of speech for the first time in years. But the, the more he said, don't talk, the more they did. And then what they say, these Gentile people, they say 7 verse 37, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And that, again, like the woman last week, that is greater understanding than we've seen from nearly everyone in Mark's gospel so far. In fact, it is where the the section of Isaiah that Jesus introduced in chapter 7 leads to. So let's have a, a quote from that up on the screen. This is Isaiah 35. On the day that God comes to rescue, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and the mute tongue shout for joy. They understand this is God on his rescue mission. Thank you. Uh, and so this is Jesus. He brings them inside and then he sits them down at the feast as daughters, not as dogs for the full feast. And I don't know if maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you were worried when we learned the truth about all of our hearts. We learned then that um, Jesus sees us as unclean from the inside out. Maybe that worried you. But now be in no doubt. Jesus, he wants the unclean to be the children of his father. That is who he wants to be the children of his father. And uh, I want to give us two um, ways this might play out in our life, depending uh, who we are this evening. So um, still under our first point, but two ways this might apply. First one, um, please respond to this invitation of Jesus if you never have. Uh, maybe particularly if you feel unworthy and unclean. Do you see that means that you have understood him and you have understood yourself. You are way ahead of the Pharisees that we met a few weeks ago. Um, and now tonight you need to know if that is how you feel, You need to know that he wants you. He wants you as his son or his daughter. He wants to heal you, make you spiritually able to hear and to speak. Uh, So put aside whatever holds you back and come and ask him for the bread. And realize as well, if you come uh, in the way we're describing, as a dog asking for a crumb, realize that 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 describes absolutely all of us. So the, the, the mask we talked about two weeks ago, the, the pretend mask of cleanness that says, I'm a clean person, I always do good things, I'm a respectable Christian, or whatever it is we put on, that mask, it keeps us apart. Uh, if you wear the mask, then you have to keep trying to be better at this than the person sat next to you. But if you take off the mask and admit you're unclean, then we sit and eat together with Jesus. Uh, Jesus, he is willing to have the unclean come and be his children. 
Uh, So on what basis would we all not sit together? Whoever you are, come into the Christian church the, the same way that we all did, on our knees and begging. And then you sit with us on the same basis, made into sons and daughters, grafted into his chosen people of Israel, adopted into a family that we never belong to. The, the song we sang earlier, don't know how it, it struck you, I'm a child of God, yes I am. That seemed presumptuous. That seemed unlikely ever to be true of you. Uh, and in the verse it said, I am who you say I am. Uh, Jesus is the son. His father is the father. They say you're a child, a daughter or a son. Uh, so, Please respond. But um, another application, if you are a child of God, is this moment in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 8, maybe Mark chapter 7. Uh, this is the global mission of Jesus beginning. Uh, that's why we did that um, silly question about, you know, where do you want to live, where don't you want to live? Uh, the point is, wherever you live, uh, you are somewhere where people are invited to the feast with Jesus. The, the big divide in Jesus' world, the big divide in humanity, is broken here. Jesus invites Gentiles in, which means that there is nowhere in this world where people are not invited to this feast. No one who was on the tube with you uh, one morning, uh, no one who lives on your streets, no one who is at work with you, All of London's glorious global multicultural reach, not once has that brought a single individual to London who is outside of the offer that Jesus makes here. Um, And yet there are billions still who will never come to London and there are millions who do not know a Christian and there are whole countries where the chances are they will never, ever meet a Christian. So this, this boring picnic, um, it says that Jesus wants the whole world. The whole world is invited to come and be children of his Father. And our response to that invitation, it, um, it begins local maybe, it begins with things that may be terrifying to do, but are quite small in some ways. So um, do they know do they know at work, in your house, that you are a believer in Jesus? Or is that something that you're waiting for the right moment? Maybe even you're waiting until your mask uh, is sufficiently polished and clean before you could tell them you're a believer in Jesus. Um, or are you praying? Are you praying for chances to speak? I think most of us find that frightening. Most of us uh, don't you know, naturally bounce up to people. Um, But we can all pray, please, Lord, today, give me someone to speak to about Jesus, to tell them how amazing he is, how he does everything well. And then have we tried? Uh, Who will we invite maybe to a carol service? Who will we ask to read John's gospel or these verses, Mark's gospel with us? Um, Notice none of this is about whether we're good at that or not. Uh, whether we're successful at that or not. We'll see um, more over the next few weeks. But even with the disciples, do you see how unsuccessful Jesus is? Um, the disciples here, they don't even seem to remember the last time they, they fed some people in a, in a remote place, let alone understand any of what it meant. 
So take courage and start. Um, In fact, it's to be more like Jesus than the Pharisees. The Pharisees want to restrict who comes to God. But the the 4,000 people buried in bread, they are telling us that there is enough of Jesus to go round. You don't need to keep people away in the, the fear that there might not be enough left for you. So it begins local. Uh, maybe it begins small. One prayer that you say tomorrow morning and the day after and the day after. But in our prayers and in our giving time and our giving money and in our choices, this could go anywhere, couldn't it? Could take us to absolutely anywhere in the world. Could take us to a group um, currently without access to Christians. Uh, you could be the person that brings someone Mark's gospel for the first time translated into their own language. People all over the world who will never read this in their own language. But actually you could potentially do something about that. Uh, and say to them, please come and join the feast. Come and be daughters. Uh, if that is what we want for people... That is what we we pray for, that we care for. Where might this take us? Anywhere in the world because of this verse today. Okay, second point. Having the same as the children, um, I've saved some time just to look at whether that's any good or not. I hope you can tell uh, that I think it is. Uh, But uh, I want to give you four images of how good it is to have what Jesus is giving us here. Four windows into what Jesus gives to this Gentile crowd. And um, in Mark, they stand out when you connect what Mark says to the Old Testament background that he provides. I don't know how much that Gentile crowd would have understood of all of this, uh, but they have had three days with Jesus. Do you notice that? They got hungry doing something, verse 2, and it was Jesus teaching them. They've been with him three days. So I wonder if he included any of these four things. So first image is Jesus himself as their king. In verse 2 of chapter 8, Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. And that could, I guess, just mean Jesus is nice and he cares about them. But turn back to 6 verse 34, where Jesus had compassion on the other crowds, the Jewish crowds. And he had compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And in our verses, he does for our Gentile crowds the same things he did in chapter 6. That's what it was to be a shepherd. He taught them and he fed them. Uh, This is taking them into his sheepfold and offering to be their shepherds, offering to be King David the great shepherd king for them. There's image number one, a loving, compassionate, powerful king who can do everything well, and now he's their king. Um, Second related image is the king who feeds them until they are satisfied. So if you're still in chapter 6, we had a very different feast in chapter 6, verse 21. It's the the birthday party of um, Israel's king, Herod, and it is a party full of dissatisfaction. So while since we looked at it, so um, do take it home, read it, or or listen to the recording from before. Um, There is status, but there is also violence. There is wealth and sex. There's also insecurity and fear. 
And Jesus is there as a contrast. Compared to this terrifying, uncertain, unsatisfying feast where um, the secular king does his best to dazzle them with everything he can offer them, uh, Jesus takes 5,000 people aside, 5,000 of his people aside, away from their terrible, weak, murdering king, and he feeds them compassionately until they are satisfied. It's a wonderful picture of the good king eating with his people. And now Jesus, he sits for the same meal with the Gentiles. That third image is about the exodus. So where the um, translation we have says remote place, if you do um, end up translating Mark's gospel for someone for the first time in their own language, please put the word desert uh, instead, or wilderness, which is what it actually says. Uh, this is a picture of the Exodus. This is God bringing a people out of slavery and uncleanness to be his people. And on the way, if you know the story in the Exodus, on the way they are hungry. And the risk is, 8 verse 3, that they will collapse on the way. Back in Exodus, the concern is they might not make it to the promised land. So God did a bread miracle then. He, he buried them in bread in the desert until they ate and they were satisfied because he was determined to make them into his own, determined to bring them all the way through to the promised land. It's a picture of provision, of perseverance, of keeping us going all the way to the promised land. And now Jesus, he does the same with the Gentiles. And then fourth image, let's just look one last time at the um, the Isaiah verses. So let's have them back up, thank you. A um, bit more of it on screen now, but the whole thing is on page 720 if you want it later. Um, it's a time when Isaiah's people are going to go into exile in Babylon. They're going to be far from home, but they look ahead to a day when your God will come. Uh, he will come and save you. And that is the time when the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. And as they explain what that will be like, there is this image of a desert coming to life because springs and water flows out in the desert. There's food in the desert suddenly. And then it says, those who the Lord has redeemed, those who the Lord has rescued, will return to Zion. And everlasting joy will be upon their heads, which I've always found. I don't know how you get everlasting joy on your head, but um, that is a picture of coming home. This is the great coming home feast, the return from exile for God's people. And now the Gentiles are invited as well. Uh, thanks for the, the Isaiah verses. So the Gentiles are invited as well. Come and sit as daughters at the, the feast that never ends, after we have come home to the God who created us and wants us, the unclean become children. Do you see why I called this everything? And again, two brief applications. Um, one is just to reflect on how rich you are if you believe in Jesus, um, how much he has given you. Maybe take one of those four images and the, the next time you eat some bread, again, sorry if you don't ever eat bread, you'll have to work out how to do this, but the next time you eat some bread, piece of toast at breakfast, sandwich at lunch, just pick one of those images. 
He's my king. I'm satisfied. I'm on the journey to the promised land. And when I get there, it will be the feast with him forever. And just reflect and pray and thank him. And then the second is about how good this is to the people that we offer it to. Uh, how good it is to be included, all of us. That's what the title we've given today's talk. It's about real inclusion. That if actually we all start as unclean people, and he will have any of us if we come on our knees, that is a far better basis for inclusion than any other one available in, I don't know, the BBC or your office, uh, or in the Church of England at the moment. Uh, the idea that if we say to each other, you're not really unclean and we'll bless you, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, that's not really a good basis. That's the mask. Whereas this is the feast of all the unclean who have arrived through repentance and through trust in Jesus. Herod could not do that. He wouldn't repent. The Pharisees couldn't do it. They would not take the mask off. But the, um, the Syrophoenician woman, she did. And the, the tax collectors and the sinners, they did. And they were welcomed by Jesus. So that the next conversation you get with someone who is not yet a believer in Jesus, again, pick um, one of the four images, maybe, uh, or a part of one of them, one of the good things about one of them, and just share with them something that is wonderful for you about being a Christian and loved by Jesus and how they could have it too. I'm going to pray uh, for us as we come to Jesus and as we share him with other people. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. What a king, uh, what a wonderful older brother as he invites us to be in his family. Thank you for his death that cleans all that is unclean for any who will turn to him. Father, pray that we would give us the humility to turn to you if we never have. And Father, pray that we would offer Jesus to all those we meet, and even, Lord, to those we would never meet unless we went to them, uh, even those in other countries, other places, that we would take the message of Jesus into all the world, we ask in his name. Amen.